88 counties, three friends, one podcast. Welcome to the Ohio Bubble. I'm Nick. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to get cultured and talk about some museums. But first, we are going to uh, do an icebreaker. And that today is going to be, if you could only have one dessert for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, Kelsey, you, you seem to have an idea of... Okay. So mine is going to be Jameson Brownies. It's basically just brownies with uh, Jameson whiskey in it. And then you get buttercream frosting and you pour a little Jameson in the buttercream frosting and then you whip that up. And if you're feeling really festive, you can add green food dye because we usually have it, you know, around St. Patrick's Day. But we also just have it all the time because they're so good. Do you have the recipe? It, uh, I, it- I don't. My mom does. But I, I don't like I. You could probably. I think you can Google just use it. like. I think you can just use like box and yeah, and just substitute some of the, the water for Jameson. Okay, yeah. well then either um, some or all. I don't. I was going to hey, buy. I know you, what I'm doing tonight. I was I actually going to buy you guys Jameson cakes uh, at the Irish festival this past year, but uh, they were out of them. Oh, we should do that. We should go to the Irish festival. I think we were planning on it. We were. But yeah. yeah, we were. I was out of town. That's right, because it's in August, the first week of August. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're always out, aren't you? First week of well, the first weekend of August, yeah. It's uh, and that's that's Vegas? when it is. No, no, it's a family reunion. That's it. But it's at my parents' house, so I go there the week before to help get everything ready. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, it kind of is. We'll never have a chance to go. It's okay. Yeah. But we could. Nick and I could go, and then we'll bring you the gifts, and we get to well, tell you all about it. Okay. That sounds fun. That does sound fun. Yeah. All right, Nick, do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, um, oh. I, I would say bananas foster. Bananas foster. Yeah. The one fruit I will not eat. The, yeah, I don't like bananas either. Something just very satisfying about fried bananas over ice cream. Oh, you're turning it, the slimy fruit even worse by frying it. I know, right? That's how... That- and then you put it over ice cream... And it's just like this fire and ice thing of the really hot banana sauce. You, know, you could do baked Alaska and get the same fire and ice idea without bananas. Just saying. True. I also really like just any kind of warm, a warm dessert with mm-hmm. ice cream. With ice cream, yes. Yeah. And I think you could probably ask me this question on different days. And, and you'd have a different answer. I would have a different, a different answer, answer yeah. but it would probably always be a warm dessert with ice cream. I mean, my answer is going to be slightly different than that, but some sort of warm pie with a scoop of ice cream. Any specific pie? Apple, cherry, blueberry, triple berry, uh, no, peach, anything warm, anything that can be warm. So not But like definitely sugar. a fruit pie? Some sort of fruit pie. No, okay. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to eat savory pie. Well, no, I'm, I'm thinking like, like a, a pecan pie. No, I don't, like, I, don't, I don't like pecans. Oh, okay. But like a chocolate pie, like French silk. I guess it's not warm. It's not warm. Yeah. Has to be the warm. That wouldn't be good with ice cream. So no, if, if it is it's a warm pie, it could be strawberry. doesn't matter. Warm but strawberry you really, pie? You've never had warm strawberry? Look, sir. I've had plenty strawberry of strawberry pie. pie, but never warm. Yeah, you need to do I don't do even that. think I've had it, like, cooked. No, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying. Oh, well, yeah, I guess strawberry it. rhubarb. Like, okay, strawberry rhubarb. No, straight up strawberry pie. I'm not saying you stick it in the microwave for five minutes and get it all nice and boily. You just... Warm it up a little past room temperature to warm. I'll have to try this. I'm not a bi person. That's fine. You can be wrong. 
You guys can have the pie. Deal. I'll have, you know, the brownies. All right. I guess yeah, we're, we're kind of on the same page. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, well, I could add, you, you could add ice cream. You could those. You could add ice cream, too. All right. Are we done with dessert? <laughs> we're done with dessert. <laughs> All right. Let's move, move right along. Time move to do dessert. the dishes. All right. Well, now that we've got our fill of desserts, we're going to go enjoy a cultural experience. And Kelsey... We're going to start in Cleveland. At, at least the, it's not Detroit. I know. At the <laughs> Natural History Museum, which is one of my very favorite places in Ohio. Have either of you guys been to the Cleveland Natural History Museum? No. I've been twice. Okay. Katie, you need to go. And Nick, you need to go more than twice. Because <laughs> it is so much fun. Road trip. No, but seriously. Seriously, we should go on a yep. road trip. No, absolutely. Yes. A disclaimer, though, right now. There is... Construction going on right now. So not all, actually, most of the exhibits are not available to see. How Because they're doing a bunch of renovations, adding a bunch of new stuff and all that, all that jazz. When you said there's construction going on, I was just picturing, oh, yeah, 71's probably just oh. all the way down. No, no. The the museum is currently. The museum there. itself. Yes. Yeah. So like, if you go in the, you know, in the near future, just, you know, go to the website, make sure that. Everything is available to see because you don't want to, unless you live in Cleveland or are very close, you don't want to make the trip and then realize that you can't see like Lucy. And if you are coming from another city in Ohio, you probably will be dealing with a lot of construction along the way. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's Interstate 71. Yeah, 71 is going to be a great road once they finish building it. They've they've been saying that for the last 70 years. Actually, it's not under construction in Cleveland anymore. Really? Oh. It's been done for a long time. Nice. At least a year. I, I haven't been to Cleveland since before the pandemic, so. I, I went home. to Cleveland for my cousin's wedding, and he has a six-year-old now, so. Oh, okay. Is he seven? So it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> okay. Yes. So the Natural History Museum, like I said, so much fun. The first thing you see when you walk in are big, giant dinosaurs. Woo-hoo. Now. Some of the dinosaurs that they have are um, a T-Rex, a Triceratops. They have the most completed mounts of a couple dinosaurs of like in the world. Oh, that's exciting. That's cool. Is the Triceratops name Sarah? No. I'm slightly disappointed, but okay. The Triceratops probably predates the movie. Like, they probably oh. had the Triceratops before the movie came out. I don't that, even Okay. The movie Land was, Before Time? Land yeah. Before Time. Because yeah. that, that was, was in, like, 80s? the 90s? 80s? 80s. 90s? Yeah, they probably had that. They probably had Oh, yeah, they had it. Okay. Place. All right. Ex- excusable. Totally excusable. But it's a, it's a very easy pun to make, so. It it's I'm a surprised. beautiful name for a Triceratops. It's not a pun. It's just a great name. Well, it is a pun. It's a nickname. True. Yeah, I guess. All of theirs were puns. They weren't all puns. Littlefoot? Littlefoot? Not really a pun. Yeah, but when he grows up, he's going to have big feet. That's more irony. Yeah. Wasn't Ducky like a... Ducky was a duck-billed dinosaur. That was a pun. That's his nickname. Duck-billed dinosaur nicknamed Ducky. Yeah, Triceratops named Sarah. So what what does Petrie come from? He's a pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. Oh, okay, so it's kind. Of, that is a nickname. That's a, they're all nicknames. They're, except that's little what their except names little are. Yeah, they're so not they're nicknames. Yeah, they are their that's actual what names. their names are. It's nicknames of the type of dinosaur they are given to them as names. Yeah. Yeah. Or a pun. 
Like Littlefoot. Littlefoot is a Littlefoot is a pun. A pun on what? Him them being big so feet. big. Okay, it's not That's a pun. Not- it's ironic. <laughs> there we there go. You. Okay, it's ironic. Yeah. Regardless, they were all named specifically for their type of dinosaur. Yes. The 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 name of the dinosaur was derived from the name name for the characters was derived from the name of the dinosaur. Like duckbill platypus became ducky. It's not a duckbill platypus. It's a no. Sorry, <laughs> dinosaur. Sorry, you know, just let it go. Uh, Twelve seconds ago, um, Triceratops to Sarah, and then that became the character's name. So it's like a it's a nickname of the type. But it's a pun because it 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 turns a dinosaur's scientific name into a human English name. I don't think Petrie is is a human name. Yeah, they aren't all puns. Sarah is. I think we have to agree to disagree on this. Please comment. Because I'm right. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we haven't even gotten through the doors. We are still in the um, entry <laughs> of this museum. Okay. Another really cool dinosaur that they have is a haplocanthosaurus. And that's a sauropod. You know, the yeah. long neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really cool about this guy, and I think his name is Happy. His name is Happy. Happy. Because he's a haplopod. That is a pun. That's not a pun. It's a, it's a derivation of the scientific name. But like that's not a pun. But like it's a pun. It's both. It's both. It's a pun because it's a derivation of the name. It would be like someone being named Hugh because they're human. That's not like that's literally all it is. Like, oh, you're a human. I'm going to call you Hugh. It's just a nickname. Anyway, I'm right. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelsey. Happy. Tell us about Happy. Anyway. Okay, so the coolest thing about Happy is Happy is the holotype of his species. Now, class, does anybody know what a holotype is? Something to do with, like, genomes and gen- gen- genesis and species and classes. Was it the first one that was found? Yes. To both of you, pretty much. Okay. okay. So it's basically the the individual of that species to which all other individuals are compared. Okay. So it's like, the, yeah, it's the first one. So like, this is it. This is our base. We work from here. So based on happy, they decide if bones are found. Is it in if, the it, same if it's another happy. Genus, if it's another happy genus? If it's another happy. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one. Happy, super important. Another uh, another dinosaur that's really cool um, is there was this whole debate, and I, I'm going to look this up because I want to make sure that I get it right. Um, her name is Jane. While I'm looking this up, Jeffrey basically Sun. what Jane is, is they found this, they found this skull, and it looks like a T-Rex, but much smaller. So a bunch of people were like, hmm, she must just be a... Um, like a, a juvenile T-Rex or a baby T-Rex. And logic tracks. Logic tracks. But there was like this whole controversy about whether she was actually a T-Rex. And so like once they they were able to find another one and they found that the the skull the bones in the skull were fused. So it was an adult, not a juvenile. So they're like, oh, this must be a whole different species. Well, so one of them's a baby T-Rex, and the other one's a whole new, different species. 
Well, no, because they're the exact same. They're the same. Uh, but only one of them was... Oh, the one, the one skull wasn't complete. Yeah, probably. Got yeah. it. But they found a more complete skull and they saw that it was fused. But we have the original specimen. The one where the skull wasn't complete. Well, yeah, I think... Okay. I mean, her skull <clears throat> might have been quite complete. It's sometimes hard to tell at museums because they fill in the gaps. Yeah. they want to show you a full skeleton. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they use a lot of casts. Mm-hmm. Because... They're not going to well, yeah, display that's, that's what I mean. 65 million year old yeah. bones. Which like, totally understand. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so her name is Jane. And she's not with the other dinosaurs. She's kind of near the end. If I'm remembering this correctly. She's kind of near the end of the museum. Past Balto. Which I will get to. That's pretty like much. Like the dog? Yeah, we're going to get there. Okay, so that's pretty much the, the gist on the dinosaurs. Okay. Now, once you walk a little further, you get to these huge fish, fish fossils. Fish fossils. Say that three times fast. Actually, don't, because you'll probably do it better than me. Okay. <laughs> so these guys are called Dunkleosteus. Dunk- oh, that's the thing with the really big head, right? Yes, the armored fish. Okay. If you see, if you saw a picture, you'd be like, "Yes, I know exactly what that is." I'm looking it up right now. Continue. The, um, the Ohio State f- Geology Lab has one. Yes, because a lot of them were found in Cleveland. The Cleveland shale. Really? Oh, that's cool. The Cleveland shale, while usually is not the best for at preserving fossils, there are some very, very well preserved specimens that have been found there. It's a so, fossil. It's a fossil, yes. Okay, I'm looking up images. Keep it's just checking. this huge fish head. Like, huge. I remember yeah, that's as it. a kid in my dinosaur books, they would go by era, and the Devonian era was always, that was the picture. Yeah. And fun fact, that picture was probably of the Cleveland specimen. Okay, so the first specimen was actually first discovered in Sheffield Lake, which is just west of Cleveland. And like I said, it was found in the Cleveland Shale. So Columbus. Cleveland. Was this like um, as they were mining or something, or were they? No, because it was found by like uh, an archaeologist. Okay, so they were like doing a Mm. dig, maybe? They might have been. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, like I said, the Cleveland Shale, not the greatest for preserving fossils, but like it, it does a good job with like very specific ones. Gotcha. So like, it's a, it's a really hit or miss for that place. Gotcha. So Cleveland has the largest collection of these fossils in the world, and most of the ones that you find in museums, like literally all over the world, are a cast of the CMNH five seven six eight, which is the original, which is on display in Cleveland. So that's really cool. So all the ones that you see are actually that guy. That's so I, I don't think anyone quite necessarily knows what we're talking about. Unless no, but you in... need to Google it. And it's it's just it's this giant armored fish. And they yeah. once I saw it, once I saw it, you're like, yeah, no, I, I recognize it. Yeah. And like I said, once you see it, you'll be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've seen this. Mm-hmm. I might not know exactly what it is, but I've seen it's got it. like the crazy teeth, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not something I'd want to meet in a dark alley underwater. I was going to say. Dark say, alley, I'd be fine. Dark alley, I'd be fine. It's a fish. Yeah. <laughs> but underwater, no. Yeah. Underwater, I think I'd have to. <sighs> so after you walk past that guy, 
I want to say, now it's been a couple years since I've been there because they were closed this year when I wanted to go. And I want to say the next place that you can go is like the early hominid section, which is where you'll find Lucy. Now, does anybody know who Lucy is? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for those who don't, Lucy is um, about 3.2 million years old. And Excuse she... Me, 3.16. Get her age up, <laughs> you looked at me like what are you talking about i mean actually she's not she's 3.2 anyway sorry i don't okay. know why i thought that i don't know what is up with me i'm in a mood today so she is um, i like this mood an australopithecine hominid and she was discovered by um, Donald Johansson, who was the curator of the Cleveland Natural History Museum at the time. Really? They went mm-hmm. on a dig in Ethiopia, and they found her. And she's named Lucy because... Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right? Yes. Yep. They were playing that song a lot in the camp, and so they just named her that. Now, does everybody... This is turning into a, a lesson Classroom for session. you guys. Yes. Uh, but you're doing very well so far. Does everybody know what the biggest discovery with Lucy was? I can tell you she's, why she's famous. I don't she's know like the oldest, discovery. isn't she? Well, she is one of the oldest. But she's oldest. She is she's, a genetic link between ape and man. Well, yes, there, there are a lot DNA, of those. But why? It's the DNA or something about some sort of like opposable thumbs or the way that the, the bone structure was. It has something to do with how she's built. You are... Right there, I'd give you a B on that. This is like eighth grade. You're asking questions I learned in eighth grade, never thought about since. Well, when was we she go, a more complete skeleton than? No, no she's about forty percent. They found okay. about forty percent. No, it's, it's not. It's not. About, it's the way her bones are made, or something. So the fun thing about Lucy is that she, the so before we found her, there was always a question between scientists: what was the biggest thing that that started the human evolution uh, apart from the apes was it a bigger brain or was it walking upright and lucy had a small ape brain but her knees and pelvis showed that she walked upright that's so mm. bipedalism was literally the first steps to us becoming humans so there, there's hope for the chicken and egg question then. Uh, I already know the answer to that. An egg. I agree. Yeah. Katie? I'm, I'm nodding. Sorry. You can't. <laughs> okay. It's a podcast. You can't nod. Okay. So. Sorry. No. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, so our first steps were literally our first steps, which is just oh so poetic. I love honestly. the way you phrased that. So poetic. I love Lucy. So I love Lucy. I don't actually. I hate <laughs> that show. But I love. don't like. I love. Lucy. I love our little Lucy girl. Okay. Um, just a little fun fact about Lucy. She was uh, a juvenile adult when she died. And her cause of death is. N- no one quite really knows why she died. Some people think that she fell out of a tree because uh, it's been hypothesized that they were tree dwellers. But uh, other people are like, no, that's not true. So no one knows how she died, but she was a young adult when she did. Now, after she was found, 
the team got permission from Ethiopia to bring her back to Cleveland. So she was assembled in Cleveland and like reconstructed. And then after that, it took maybe 10 years. I don't quite remember. After that, she was sent back to Ethiopia where she's, where she is now, I think. Obviously, she's not on display. She's like preserved somewhere. But they have castings. We have an original cast. We have a cast of the original skeleton. And we are one of the only ones. Everybody else has casts. Of the cast. Of the cast. Yeah. But we have a cast of her. <laughs> and I And you are just love so that. for all intents smile. and purposes, we have the closest thing to Lucy on display. Yeah, yes. pretty much. Yeah. But. And then you also see um, you know, they make like a reconstructed of her mm-hmm. as her. No, she was a little and cute. You're just so happy. I like it. Listen, I had a bad morning, guys. You had a bad week, so I've had a, yeah, I've had a bad couple weeks, and this really, this is making me real happy. <laughs> Good. Okay, so after Lucy, uh, my my memory of the actual walkthrough has become fuzzy, but they have um, a lot of taxidermy. They have uh, a couple of mastodons and mammoths, but their most famous taxidermy animal is. We just talked about him. Nick was confused. Balto! Balto! Oh! Oh, So it really is the Balto. We have the The Balto? Balto? Yes. Oh, you guys didn't know that. No! No. Oh, well, let me give you guys a little history lesson. Kelsey, I've never been there. Why would I? I I wouldn't know that. Mm, Anyway, let me give you guys a little history lesson on why Balto is in Cleveland. Because... Why is Balto in Cleveland? Oh, so he lost, lost and who is Balto? I know, but... Uh. Okay, so Balto... Funny story about this. If you are going by the cartoon movie, Balto was the lead sled dog in... Not Anchorage. I, gnome. 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 It for was, Gnome, Alaska, for the diphtheria outbreak. Yeah. And he was bringing, you know, the serum. How he got the Iditarod, wasn't it? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, but in actual history, Balto was not a lead... <laughs> The lead was actually called Togo, and Togo led the most dangerous uh, strip, not strip, section. Yeah, sure, section. Yeah, of the uh, portion, stretch, portion, the stretch, stretch, stretch of the trail. There we go. There we go. Took us three people. Really, three, all of those words would have worked. Three educated adults to come up with stretch. Anyway, um, yeah, Togo. But was for the some most reason, dangerous. for some reason, everybody just knows Balto, and like even back then. Balto was like the hero, and poor Togo. Like, sorry, Togo. Yeah, why? I don't know. Truly, I I that... looked it up because I'm like, why do we know just Balto and not Togo? But like, it, literally, it was just like for some reason. Was Balto he just a is... better looking dog? They're all huskies. They're all fantastic looking dogs. Actually, fun fact: are they not huskies? Well, they are. But Balto, they did like a DNA thing on him. I didn't really look that up because I didn't think that that was going to come up. <laughs> Well, I think most sled dogs aren't actually, like, full. No. Dirty. No, no, no. They have husky in them. But, but he, had, he has a lot, like, in him. But he's got, um, he's got husky in him. He's got uh, Greenland dogs, Chinese village dogs, um, Malamute, Malamute, like. He was, yeah. Husky is a composite he dog anyway. He was bred for Alaska. Well, all dogs are composite dogs. Composite yeah, that's, dogs. yes, that's true. But, um. So how he came to Cleveland was so like after the race and all that stuff, he and his team became famous. The one of the got all the treats in Buffalo. I know, right? <laughs> well, unfortunately, no. 
Balto's story takes a sad turn. He and his team were placed on the vaudeville circuit for a few years. No. Traveling the country. And I don't know. I think that they were treated rather well on that because I'm pretty sure that um, still one like- of their owners from Alaska was the one who went with them. Mm. So, like, still. he took them. However, when that guy wanted to go back to Alaska, he didn't want to take the dogs. So he sold them to the highest bidder. Q. George Kimball, who was, I think he was like a, uh, like a boxer and became a businessman or something. He was in, he traveled to LA, which is where the dogs were. And he found them in horrible conditions, like just chained outside. So he worked with the plane dealer, which is the newspaper in Cleveland, to bring them to Cleveland, um, where they lived uh, the rest of their lives in the Cleveland Zoo, which if you go wow. to the Cleveland Zoo, that's why there is a it's statue very- of Balto with, uh, with the wolves. He goes to the wolves. Oh, okay. a statue of Balto. And then after he died, um, you think he died in uh, 1933? Yeah, 1933. They taxidermied him, and he's mounted in the museum, and that's actually Balto. Wow. And so I have a picture. Cleveland of has quite the history of famous dogs living the ends of their lives there. Because Smokey, the yeah. Smokey, and now Balto. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't think I would use that as a. Tagline? A tagline. No. Where dogs go to die. Where dogs go to die. <laughs> where dogs have a peace. No, no, Where dogs go to happily die. Go, where dogs have a peaceful ending. There you go. All dogs there go to Cleveland. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right, Nick. Okay, so um, another room is the one of my favorite rooms. This is the rock room. Oh, geology. yes. I remember that the geology one. room. I call it the rock room. That's fine. But yes, it's the geology room. It has one of the largest collections of like gems. It's uh, I think the Jephthah Wade collection. I don't know. He's from like New York and he donated all this stuff. Okay. Oh, well, you know the name of the collection. That's I just saw it like last night. She Googled it last night. So. Well, yeah. Now I'm just realizing I don't know the names of any of the collections. And you're That's fine. Okay. I listen. I love the Natural History Museum. So anyway, this is my favorite room because I love rocks and gemstones. Like, that's my thing. When I go somewhere, I get a rock from it. I'm the easiest person to bring something back from. Like, my aunt went to Ecuador last month, and she's like, Kelsey, you're the easiest person to bring a souvenir home from because I got you a rock from the rainforest. And I was like... So when I go to Tokyo, rainforest rock? so when I go to Tokyo, I should get you something from like the royal palace or something, just a rock. Yeah, I'll do that. Write down where it is, and if you can, take a picture. I okay. You don't have to take a picture of the going, rock. I'm not just take a picture of like where you are. Okay, I'm not going this year. Probably going next year. But yes, that's fine. When we'll you go you. to Tokyo, I didn't know about this. It's a whole thing. We yeah, I didn't either. It. But she's gonna bring me a rock, so I'm real happy. <laughs> <laughs> do you want? Do you want several? Because we're gonna go to different places. Yeah. Like if we go to like Mount Fuji. Listen, when I travel. I bring Ziploc bags and a permanent marker and little slips of paper. See, and I, I write down where it is. So, like, when I went to um, England, like, I would write down, like, Blarney Castle. And then I'd get my rock and I'd put it in the bag. And then I'd seal it up. So, you and don't need to know, go, like, a date or time or anything. Well, I didn't because I didn't or, for that because I okay. knew where I was when I was there. So, gotcha. like, the next day I could. What know. about the variety of the rock? Or what, what do you call that? It's not a species of rock. It's a type of rock. Type? A That's type it? Type, yeah. Igneous, sedimentary, um, sedimentary and uh, metamorphic. Yeah. But have yeah. all three. 
But there's there's no term for like what kind of rock you have. There's just a, a type. I mean, if you, I guess you could call it the classification. Okay, I'll I go with that. That sounds more official. But it's just a type of rock. I'm yeah. saying this is a rock lover. You can call it a type of rock. I won't be sad. <laughs> All right. Um, I now know what to bring you back. Yeah, seriously. Awesome. So, um, okay, so I guess we don't have to do the Jameson cakes. Yeah, just find her a rock from Dublin. Well, I don't want a rock from Dublin. <laughs> Unless it's the Dublin. Unless it's the Dublin. Yeah, I have a rock from Dublin, though. All right. Mm-hmm. From that Dublin. Not this Dublin. I actually have Jameson from that Dublin, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it all Jameson from that Dublin? Yeah, but I bought it there. Also, so in in addition to the gems, and they also have a moon rock from the moon. Yeah. I don't know why that didn't. Kitty perked up. A moon rock? (laughs) What? You don't know why what? I don't know why I didn't. I wasn't picturing like an actual rock. You actually had to say from the moon for me to. I was like, oh, yeah, it's some sort of gem that looks oh, like a, a, moon. a moon. Oh, he's thinking like a, yeah, like a moonstone. Moonstone, yeah. That's more what you're thinking? Yeah. No, they had a rock from the moon. A moon rock. Moon rock. I got to touch a moon rock at the Smithsonian. And I got to touch me. a moon rock at um, Cape Kennedy. That's where I was, Cape Kennedy. I wasn't as small as, yeah. They Kennedy. smell weird. Also, don't they? um, Let's be honest. By this point, you're not touching moon rock. You're um, just touching the germs of everyone you're else. You're touching everybody else's skin cells. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I hate to be a cynic here. They probably didn't ever give the moon rock a moon rock out. They probably said, here's a moon rock, guys. You guys can all touch it. Yeah. And then kept all of the rocks. <laughs> yeah. Like safe from the heat from humans. Public. Yep. But. I buy it. Yeah. That's but- just my cynical way of doing it because I wouldn't want to do that. Like if I was in charge of those moon rocks, I'd be like, get your grubby little hands away from them. You touch them with gloves. Yeah. In a sterile environment. It depends on how many they've actually taken back. Well, considering and I don't they haven't know gone back the answer to, the to that moon in a while for a, a 50 fresh years. Bat, yeah. I am assuming we don't have very many. Yeah. I, I don't think you can carry a whole lot on those capsules. No, no. So you that's can the carry like 500 pounds of ballast, extra ballast. There's like, so there's supposed to be, they yeah, but a couple hundred pounds of moon rock. I don't think they're taking a jackhammer up there with them to get all the rocks, you know? No, they're just, guys, they they're just yeah, getting they're, the ones they're, that they can pick up. Yeah. yeah. Also, you probably don't want to fill that entire space up. It's made to do that. It's made to do no, that, no, but it, you probably... That is, they, they fill it as full as possible. Mm. Like, they get the dust and the rocks and pebbles, they get everything they can, and they're like... This is why we came. If we're allotted 200 so we, pounds, we probably they're have going f- 200 pounds. We probably have a few tons then. Well, we yeah. We have a few tons of, yeah, but you're not going to, like, just give it to anybody. I mean, I'll take one. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it in under glass. I won't let anybody touch it. I promise, guys. NASA, are you listening? I love rocks. NASA, if you're listening, give me a job. Um, okay. So they have the rock room. And then near the rock room, they also have, like, this. A uh, fun little area that's like it shows different kinds of soils and it's got some crystals and I actually think that the crystals are real synthetic crystals that were grown. <gasps> that's cool. And I want to say they might have been grown in Cleveland. Possibly not. Do not quote me on that. But it's still a fun place to go. They have uh, now I haven't been to the planetarium but I can't wait to go. I will go when we we will go to the planetarium. The planetarium is one of the things that's under construction, and I think it's relatively new. And I like I haven't been there yet. Okay, 
Um, and then they also in the planetarium, there's the observatory and the observ the observatory, which they've had for a while, has a telescope, has a refracting telescope from like 1899. Wow. Still yeah. operational? Yeah. They let the public look into it. Um, we're going to go and we're going to spend all of our time in the observatory and planetarium. FYI. We'll, we'll do well, go two days. Can. You can. We'll go two days. One for the planetarium and observatory. You can spend all your time in the planetarium. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my rounds of the museum. You do that. Spend as much time in the rock room as I possibly can. Because the last time I was with a four-year-old who didn't love the appeal of all the rocks. And she wanted to get to the more fun stuff. Can't imagine what's Quote, more unquote, fun. more fun. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, another thing that she really enjoyed was they had like a little earthquake machine. It, I mean, it's not very big. It just kind of makes the floor move a little bit. She loved it. And, and and they also have like a lot of like um, Ohio stuff, like Ohio wildlife. Like this is Ohio through the. Yeah. And they actually have some real wildlife outside. They do. I was just mm-hmm. about to get there. Do not contain your joy for the Cleveland Natural History Museum. because <laughs> I sure am not. So the Perkins Wildlife Center is really fun. It's a little mini. It's a little mini zoo that has animals that are indigenous to Ohio. My it strongest has, memory is the bald eagles. Mm-hmm. It has bald mm-hmm. eagles. It has um, falcons, bunch of kinds, of, uh, different kinds of owls, um, crows, turkey vultures. Um, I think it has some kind of crane, probably a sandhill crane. Was it just birds though? No, I haven't gotten to the mammal. Okay. <laughs> She's Nick, you are you are I, rushing me for the I'm mammals. Skipping some steps for the mammals. That's got like coyotes, foxes, otters, raccoons, porcupines, mm-hmm. skunks, uh, bobcats. Are the skunks de de skunked? Probably. I'm just wondering. I never asked. I would I would guess, but you know, sometimes they don't. They, I don't. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I never asked. I don't know if that's considered like humane. I don't know. I've never looked into de skunking a skunk. She's never had a reason to. Yeah. yeah truly. They are very soft. I, I would I, yeah, if, if God, it was yes. de skunked, I would probably want one as a pet. Um, but I don't know if that's like one of my sister's friends okay. had a skunk as a pet. They had a family. Uh, the parents got it, rescued it, mm-hmm. uh, de-skunked it, and I mean the things mm. like things they live forever. Not really, but they live quite a long time. When yeah. you yeah. take care of them. Yeah, when taken care of properly. So she grew up with a pet skunk. That's cool. That is pretty cool. All right. Well, I guess that could be. <laughs> I, I could. I could talk so much longer about the Cleveland yeah. Natural History Museum. But I will leave it at the Wildlife Center because that's right off the gift shop, which is where most people end. You go through the gift shop into the Wildlife Center. Oh, fun fact. They have otter feedings. <gasps> so like, I was just about to ask. I was going to be go, one of my questions. You can watch them feed the otters. Wait, can you feed the otters or do you pay for them to feed the otters? You don't have to pay anything. You just go out there while oh. they do it. Because oh. they have to feed them. They have to feed but they them. let you know when they're doing it. When was it instituted? Like, wh- when was it, when did it open? So it was something else before it came. I think it was something called, like, the Case Institute. Oh, Case Western? I don't know if it was Case it, Western. Maybe. Specifically, because, like, what it was, was it used to be, like, some, like, a big thing of just all taxidermy things. Okay. And then, like, it kind of morphed into the Cleveland Natural History Museum. And then they moved So it started it. out with okay. somebody who had a weird hobby. Pretty much, Yeah. You know, weird it, hobbies. Actually, guys, I'm pretty the sure the guy's name is Isn't that Chase? what all museums really are? There's somebody with a weird hobby who decides to, to go public with it. Truly. The museum itself was established in 1920. Wikipedia history lesson real quick. 
uh, back in the 1930s. It was a collection of Leonard Case Sr., who has who had t- taxidermy of like birds and reptiles and mammals. And then I can it was that called was the, thing, yeah. the Ark. Okay. okay. Which is kind of, yeah, it's a kind of cool name for a taxidermy place. That's kind of what started the whole thing. Except it kind of, it, when you think too long about that metaphor, it doesn't work anymore because. What metaphor? Of arc. an ark. Oh. Because you're not saving anything. Well, you're, yeah, you're preserving, preserving the history. You're saving the history. So it's an ark of history. It's not an ark of animals. Yeah. I there there's not a single metaphor that I won't take as a metaphor anymore. Ad absurdum. Anymore. Yeah, ad yeah. absurdum. But I mean, I I 100% recommend going there. I mean, okay. Oh, we're gonna go. We're gonna make a field trip. It's of just it. it's fun. It's a fun place to go. We're gonna make a field trip of it. You should do. Well, so I guess that uh, segues pretty well into my first museum that I actually went to this past week as research for this episode, uh, the Columbus Museum Nick of Art. always goes the extra mile. It really wasn't the extra mile. It's a block away from my work. <laughs> yeah, but you still went. So he went the extra block. He went the extra I went block. the extra block. There we go. Uh, my, my, my metaphor uh, has been satisfied. And truth be told, I much prefer Cleveland's art museum. And I wanted to give the Columbus Museum another chance since it is my local museum. And uh, this trip has just kind of confirmed it. It started with me paying for parking, which admittedly I was comparing it to something that I thought was free. Because I thought all of the the Cleveland network of museums were free. The Cleveland Art Museum, last I knew, was free. The Cleveland Art Museum is free. Okay. The Cleveland Art Museum is a much bigger, more... Uh, Comprehensive? Yeah. It wasn't that I was looking for the word. I was wondering if I should talk because you're going to come up with the information and you may just... Uh, the Cleveland Art Museum is free. Now, I'm going to put a disclaimer on here that special exhibit, exhibitions, exhibitions, why special, does that sound? special exhibits, special yeah. exhibitions. Yeah. Why does that word sound so weird when I said it, though? Special exhibitions. Because you were thinking of exhibit and then it continued. Oh, no, no, but it's a, it's a word. You're good. Anyway, you do have to pay for like the special stuff. Okay. Like when okay. King Tut came a few, like probably like 10 years ago, almost. Um, I had to pay to go to that, but the museum itself is free, which yep. it's huge. There, there is no shortage of what you can see in the Cleveland Art Museum. And mm-hmm. a lot of the very famous artists have some really great works in the Cleveland Museum. Yeah, it is enormous. It's free to get in, except for the special exhibitions. I remember I went when there was an exhibition on medieval armor. Ooh, and that'd be a fun uh, one. That'd be yeah, cool. that was worth the the price. The Columbus Art Museum, you have to pay to get in. It's like twenty dollars. Yeah, it's about twenty dollars. Um, eighteen, but yeah, eighteen, yeah. 18. But it is buy one get one ticket, and it's five dollars on. It's free on Sundays. It is five dollars on um, Thursday afternoons, which is when I went. I'm not trying to sound stupid. If it's buy one get one. Put the price at six bucks. Yeah. And then, because if you see an $18 ticket, because when I, when I went to the uh, Lego exhibit with some friends and I got there first, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just get tickets now. I'm like $18 for four people. That's, oh, that's like over 50 bucks. 
And it's like, yeah. what? So then I get up there and they're like, oh, well, let's buy one, get one free. Then just have the price listed at $6? Like, it, is there a reason you would you would do that? You would list it at 18 but then, hey, you get buy one, get one free. You're still paying $6. Yeah, it, anyway. it, it doesn't bring a lot of people in, which I will get to that as well. So it's $7 to park, $18 most days to get in. And then there's an additional fee for the extra for the additional exhibitions. So it's not cheap and it is small. It's very okay. small. It's very small. They are known for a couple uh, very famous pieces. Like Monet's Weeping Willow. That is probably the first thing that most people would think of with the uh, the Columbus Museum of Art. It was one of Monet's later pieces. They actually have a pretty decent collection of Monet. Um, they have about five pieces in their Impressionism room. Um, with the the highlight being the very large Weeping Willow. It was his response to the tragedy of World War I, and he actually signed the painting on the day the treaty was signed. The, oh, uh, I love that. World War I, the Treaty of Paris. The Treaty of Paris. Paris yeah. There were a lot of treaties of Paris. Like, every war yeah. you find out... Everything has a Treaty of Paris. Everything, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you were in... Europe, wouldn't you also want to go to but Paris? But sometimes it's, yeah, it's it's not even wars that had anything to do with France sometimes. And it's just, well, let's just go to Paris and, and figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it probably was just an excuse. Look, just feed the people bread and carbs and they'll be happy. And wine. And wine. Bread and wine. I mean, there's a reason why bread and circus was a Roman saying about keeping the populace controlled through entertainment and food. Except their entertainment was very... Not don't doesn't that's the, that was the saying that's their entertainment. We're not here to judge their entertainment. No. Right, we're not here to talk about that yet. But yeah, we went. I went for the Lego exhibit, and they had a where the wild things are in the uh, Columbus. Yeah, they had a uh, in the Columbus Museum of Art. They had a special where the wild things are. That artist oh. has done other things. Yeah, so it's about that artist and. It was like an extra $20 or something. It's just insane. By the way, um, I, I want to make it clear. I did pay for parking. I still have the receipt. They didn't, the, ticket ta- the ticket machine didn't take it because there's a place called, um, not Matt and Chet. Um, that's up in Sandusky. Matt and Tony's. Matt and Tony's. Matt and Tony's. So we walked there from Which the Which is the most overrated restaurant in Columbus. Sir? I Lisa will fight you over that. <laughs> yeah, no, Lisa really likes um, Matt and Tony's, and they have fried mozz- They had really good mozzarella sticks. Apparently, I'm not a big fan of mozzarella sticks, and um, but they have a watermelon salad that is amazing. Their burgers are great. It's a great little place. But anyway, we walked from the museum to there, ate dinner, walked back. It was like you know eight o'clock by then. All the gates were open. So if you just wait out the gates, you don't have to pay for parking. <laughs> so technically, you can't have free parking. You're just well, going to have to wait a little bit. You can also get your parking validated um, instead of paying for parking, which means if you're paying as much at the gift shop or the cafe as you would pay for parking, yeah, then you're not paying for parking. You're so paying you're, for so you you you're paying for parking, but you're getting something else with it. Like a little, and that's what I did. So I, I've got. Uh, a couple magnets of, of pieces in the museum now. Yes, I didn't. I, I found nothing in there. I'm like, I need to have this. 
Well, so I, I didn't feel that way, but I felt for eight dollars, um, you'd rather have something than parking. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Nope, I just tried well, to pay so for I actually paid a dollar more, but I was actually getting something with it. So, yeah. so it was worth it. It was. Now you were you were there what like yesterday? Two, two days, days ago, ago. Thursday okay. after work. I last week. I knew that they did the flowers in bloom or paintings in bloom or something. Was that still going on? Um, that was not going on when I was there. Okay. So like, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. So, um, I, so maybe it I was, saw, and I just didn't know it, but it was, no, you would have known because yeah. what a, it was, was, uh, they put a, like they put tons of fresh bouquets of flowers all over. And so like, you're there seeing all the, paintings but like you're also seeing all these beautiful flowers and you're smelling them all and that just seems fantastic to me because the world needs more flowers it seems not lovely hippie, i swear um they have a lot of interesting uh, events like that yeah i'm glad they didn't because i have allergies and um that probably oh, I don't shove flowers yeah. in my face I'm like sure I'm i'll all. just totally shove flowers i, I was having as as you- good I was having pretty bad allergies that day. I actually had to take something. So I'm glad they, they, they didn't uh, do that. <laughs> it might have just been like for the weekend. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, they had like a or, or some sort of like gala. gala? Yeah. yeah. It was a gala where you had to wear anything in black and white, but it had to be like creative and it had to be black and white. That would have been fun. Yeah. yeah. But I, I looked like an art student when I went. So and actually, there were art students because uh, CCAD, the Columbus College of Art and Design, is right next to it. Um, and there were some students from there who I think thought I was one of them. You're like, like nope, I, I was cool with it. I think I think CCAD is literally across that street. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's how close it's, it is. It's almost could be a part of the university they're part they're for sure partnered they gotta be and it's about the size of a university museum that's like the first thing you'll notice the first floor there's almost nothing on um except for the rooms for the special exhibitions and there's a couple kind of like sort of hands-on things that are more trying to teach you about what art is doing mm-hmm. but there's no real art <laughs> so upstairs is like the the actual galleries my favorite is the American art room because I like a lot of the American artists of the early 20th century, that sort of realism, but modernist realism. So it, it has elements of things like cubism and impressionism informing it, even though it's still generally realistic. My favorite piece probably in the whole museum is not at the museum right now. They've lent it to someone else. And that was another disappointment. Um, it was, uh, Morning Sun by Edward Hopper, who is my favorite artist. I am, and I actually have a Hopper reproduction <laughs> in uh, the room with us right now. Morning Sun is a uh, painting of a woman who is sitting and looking outside at at the sunrise in a large city. It, it's one of many um, many Hopper paintings where it's somebody alone in a room. And you just wonder, what are they thinking? Um, that was another one of the more famous pieces in the Columbus Museum. I've seen it before. Yeah. So that, that was really disappointing. And the docents are not... They used to be like older people who were doing this as a retirement thing. And they were like, you know, really passionate about art. 
now it's like kids and I asked them, hey, do you have that Edward Hawker painting? And they said, well, what's the name? It was like, and I didn't remember the exact name. And they had to call someone about it. Did you find out where it was? No. Oh, they said, it's, <laughs> sorry, it's out of town right now. Yeah. Leave a message and they'll return your Oh, calls yeah. Well, we lend a lot of our paintings to other people. Um, people or like institutions? Other, other institutions. Oh, I'm like, you can just ask them to borrow? Apparently that? it's... Excuse me, could I just have that Van Gogh for a night? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's still somewhere in central Ohio, most oh, likely. So it's at a smaller museum somewhere around here. You mean it's, there's a smaller museum? Apparently, but the, the Columbus Art Museum's not huge. A huge portion of the middle of the building is taken up by just this sitting area where you and it's actually very nice. It's it's got a glass roof. Cleveland has something like that. Yeah, it's like a place you can go and reflect and like paint, draw yourself or whatever. Exactly. But it's like in Columbus, proportionate to the size, it's it's too big. Yeah, yeah. but it does have a chihuly in there, a chihuly glass piece. Yeah. Um, I've literally bought glass pieces just because they kind of looked like Chihuly's. Obviously, they aren't, but I, I love that that sort of whimsical, swirly thing of. And I forget get, what the piece is referred you into, to. You should get into glass blowing and create your own. Oh yeah, where is he going to get into glass blowing? I, I actually there are there are places that uh, you can learn glass blowing. Mm-hmm. Like the Ohio State teaches classes on it. Um, and I you can probably get into it. School, or I went to a blacksmithing yeah. class, and they have a school. But here's why I couldn't do it. Heat. I don't do well with high heat. Well, you're not in it. You're no, but it is hot. Well, that's true. Um, I've seen glass blowing demonstrations, and I've had to leave because it was too hot in the room. You would hate blacksmith. <laughs> I'm sure. Another well-known piece in the Columbus Museum is... Shako with Red Hat, that is S-C-H-O-K-K-O. It's by Alexei Von Jalensky. Uh, not the biggest name, but the piece is pretty recognizable. Um, the thing about Jalensky is he painted people with the colors that he felt matched their essence rather than what they actually looked like. So Shako is green. Also, I found out from the uh, notes by the side of the painting that uh, Shaco was his nickname for uh, the model because she really liked hot chocolate. I don't like it. Yeah, that, that looks like someone tried to paint the Wicked Witch would... and utterly failed. Anyway, uh, they actually named the cafe the Shaco Cafe after her and her love of chocolate. I didn't go to the cafe even though they probably would have validated my parking for it. They do, but you have to buy something for like $20. You need to buy your hot chocolate for like $10. Yeah. Don't buy $10 hot chocolate. Yeah, it's not it's worth it. It's probably not good either. It's probably powder mix. It probably is. They're probably just playing on the... Well, they are definitely just playing on the uh, the history of that painting. Also, they have one of the largest collections of George Bellows paintings because George Bellows was a Columbus artist. Bellows is mostly known for his works of boxers. He has a lot of paintings and uh, most of the paintings are actually, I don't think there were any paintings of boxers at the Columbus museum, but a lot of the sketches for his later 
more famous paintings are are kept in the Columbus Museum. Boxers the athletes or boxers the dog? Boxers the athletes. athletes. Okay. Um, a lot of these like really dramatic posed pictures of boxers just about to knock someone out. Guys, guys. Boxer the animal painted as boxer the athlete in very dramatic poses. It's in your head now. You can't get it, it out. It is absolutely in my head. Isn't that the best? Somebody has done this. I know they have. It, there's probably a parody of there's probably any given Bellows yep. painting. Um, not all of his paintings are of those. Those are just the most famous. Um, I'm looking at some of his other paintings and they're weird. Gotta say, I'm not a fan. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's going to give me nightmares. <laughs> Kelsey, how, how about you stop? I um, want to. There is a lot of disturbing art in the Columbus Museum. That was another theme. There's also a piece in one of the European galleries from uh, James Ensor that shows, uh, I forget what this one's called, and it's probably a good thing that you're not looking it up because this will give you nightmares. Oh, I've got to look at them now. It's, uh, well, I don't know the name of the piece, so. Do you remember who it was? It was James Ensor, and all of his pieces are creepy. Um, but this one was, it looked like, you know those Punch and Judy puppets? Yeah. What? Punch and Judy, like the- Oh, the one's a little club on? The yeah. Club? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like three of these Punch and Judy puppets standing around a guy and disemboweling him very graphically. Waiting for Kelsey's response. I haven't found it yet. I'll let you know. I mean, yeah, some of these are creepy. All right, we will be skipping yeah. that on our tour. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, yes, the Cubism collection is pretty nice. It's small. And they have a quote from Gertrude Stein of how she really, you know, 70, 80 years ago, really liked the Cubism collection at the Columbus Museum. And they have painted this onto the wall. Where they should have put another painting, they have a quote of, Gertrude Stein really liked our collection in the 30s. But they do have a couple Picassos, um, George Brock, and a lot of lesser known names in Cubism who, I didn't realize I liked Cubism as much as I did. That was one of the revelations for me. I'm not a big art person. Same. Okay. I mean, like, so, I, I want to... I want to like look at all these things and be like, ah, oh, yes, the brush strokes show that he was a tortured soul. But otherwise, I'm like, he didn't know how to paint faces, <laughs> right? And like, that's all I can like. Uh, that's all you can think about. Like some of these ones that that the boxing guy George Bellows. Like, once I saw that he couldn't paint faces, I was like, I don't want to look at any more of these because they all look tortured soul. Yeah. Like. Oh, I think that's the do intention. Like photographs. If it was a whole museum about, like, just picture art pictures, I, I'd be okay with I that. Mean, I, I'm good I with, don't I like, like the photography sections because I, I like get pretty stuff. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want to see two jester puppet things disemboweling disemboweling someone. someone. No. I, I think the point of art is to make you feel something at the the very most basic level. Is if it makes you feel anything, it has succeeded on some level. Okay, so funny thing about that, I cannot tell you how much I despise modern art. I haven't I, got. I, 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 it was we were at the Cleveland Museum of Art, and my I was with my friend, and I was 
we, I was having a, yeah, I was having a great time. You know, we saw some his like some old mm-hmm. old stuff, and that's what I like to see in an art museum. Surprise, surprise! I like to see the old stuff in an art museum after I just hold on. Let me put on my <laughs> put an face. ode to the Natural History Museum, and then we went to the Modern Art Museum, and I was livid the whole time. And he was just like, "This is so much fun for me because because you hate it so much." I mean, there was there was just a pic. There was this giant giant canvas i mean like this thing was as big as a wall yep and it was just blue one shade of blue one shade of blue is it the one that eddie redmayne did his thesis on i don't know which is hilarious because he's colorblind i was so mad mm-hmm. i was so mad at that i mean i was so mad at that whole the artist session. succeeded the artist no. achieved what no. they were no because it's- no not necessarily i don't know but it's entirely possible that that was what the artist was – that was the response the artist wanted. I'm going to want I – have, I have two thoughts on modern art. Yes, I, I had a very, very – I had like an hour and a half long discussion with a friend of mine about this. One, I am convinced 75%, maybe 80% of all modern art is a scam and it is all about um, laundering money. Yes, most of it is. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Those that aren't, that are legitimately good, fine. Like, there is legitimate good modern art. But a lot of it is laundering money. The second Actually, that's what a lot of just art sales is. No, that's true. A lot of art sales is laundering. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. So you have people like, like that painting. The pe- the, so the people who like modern – you can go up to – I'll start in another place. You and I go see a Monet exhibit. You might not like Monet. Fine. I'm not going to criticize you for not liking Monet. You can like Monet. You can like Van Gogh. You can like um, Rembrandt. doesn't really matter. You just, you like what you like. But now, but to, like, if you go into a modern art exhibit, it's like you're supposed to treat it with a reverence it doesn't deserve. And if you don't, the people who I think honestly pretend to like modern art then get to act uppity and say, how dare you not understand what the artist is trying to communicate? And there's the snobbery and utter just elitism of modern art. that it's like, you know what? A kid's refrigerator drawing makes more sense than this. You're, well, you're, what you're putting on the painting is an elitism and a snobbery that I just don't want to have anything anything to do with. Well, so then I'm made to be the bad guy for not liking modern art. Nick's trying so hard. First Tell off, me I'm wrong, Nick. Tell me I'm wrong. What you're describing is not modern art. It's postmodern art. Modern art is, and I will agree with you, postmodern art, a lot of it seems pretty meaningless. And... A lot of it is, but modern art is really technically cubism and um, expressionism. That is a different era entirely. Um, There is a lot of passion and beauty that goes into modern art. Okay, then maybe I'm using the wrong term with modern art versus. Also, I think there's a there is an entire. I think you also have to do with the colloquial modern art, as in art being produced in the modern era. Now we might be calling it postmodern because modern was for um cubism and realism or whatever you called it that might be fine 
but you also, but by naming that era, quote unquote, modern art, that kind of takes the, so what do you call it? It was referred to it at the time as modern because it was modern. 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 So nowadays we have, but nowadays it's a hundred years old. Yeah. But on our time we have our modern art. So when, yeah. So you might be talking about quote unquote postmodern art, but you're dealing with a colloquial modern art as in art that was produced in 2020, 2022, 2023. What, what yeah. I find with, with, with contemporary art, which is actually what they refer thing. to that entire wing. And there is now the new wing is entirely devoted to contemporary art. It's what they're selling is not the piece itself. It's the idea behind it, which means even when it's good, you, it's not something you can stare at for a long period of time. So it's then not how something is that, the idea good? That if, you cannot, if you cannot look at something and go, you know what? That's a good idea. I want to sit and contemplate on that. If you can't sit and do that with something, it's, how's that good? How's that a good idea? It's not as good. I will agree with you. I think there is value to it, but, but it's, the, you can breeze through it because it's like, okay. Inflated. It's, an, it's yes, definitely an inflated absolutely. value. Like, it's like sorry, I, hate I can contemporary see art, obviously with a passion. I can see what you're doing here. That's interesting. Moving on to the next one, and so like I'm glad I went to that section of the museum, but it was significantly shorter time, even though it's almost as big as the rest of the museum, because it's like I I don't need I don't need to consider this that deeply because if, there's if less to consider. If you don't need to consider, like you can stand in front and, of a Rembrandt or a Monet and really you take it in. It's a whole experience. But even some of the more ex- abstract pieces, they have a, a uh, Jackson Pollock de- quote unquote depiction of fire that I was just kind of mesmerized by. And that is considered, that is modernist art. That is the modern era. And that is completely abstract in what it's depicting. But it does actually make you okay. think. Again, and then, like I said, it's there not, are some pieces that do, if you can sit and stare at a piece of art, like literally you could stare at a plant and just contemplate, what does that plant do? Like it's absorbing the oxygen. It's using, uh, yeah, your plants are alive, so I can use this as an example. <laughs> you know, it's absorbing the, the water that you give it. It's using the light th- from the window. You can consider that art because you, you get to contemplate what's biologically happening in that in the little uh ceramic pot you have but if i look at something and go okay whatever and there's or like that looks sad and that's literally my only thought one is it even a thought worth having and two why is the value so inflated a plant a five dollar plant from walmart i did find myself more walking through that section of the museum and thinking is this justified to be held at the same level as uh, not in the case of everything yes but a lot of it it was i could see this in a gallery i could see this in a local gallery in the artist's hometown and it would make sense but having it held up at the same level of masterpieces from 100 years ago is debatable and it's not because uh to be fair uh, go ahead you, you finish then i have a it is not a dig necessarily on that piece now it's just it hasn't had the chance to become a masterpiece yeah that was that was my thing you can't compare you can't compare something created yesterday to something that was created 800 years ago that we revere as good art 
Yeah. Because you have 800 years of history saying, this is good art, this is good art, this is good art. And now you have this piece. But what you can do is you can say, I want to evoke a sense of wonder. And you can put time and effort and energy into creating it. And then it becomes valuable because you now have succeeded. And when people see it, they feel a sense of wonder. That's what the 800-year-old painting is. The masterpiece is a masterpiece because what it depicts and what you feel because of it is worth it. If I'm looking at a modern art of a blue canvas, I feel nothing. What you really, the rage you feel is not invoked by the painting. It's invoked by the idea that somehow someone has said, this is valuable enough to be on a wall and studied. That to me is the difference. So anyway, I don't like contemporary <laughs> art. Um, I, I tend to fall on the same side. It's just of the three of us, I seem to have the highest appreciation for contemporary art. Yes. And, okay, I think we can all say, though, there is good contemporary art. Yes. And I will mention I my favorite it. contemporary piece at the Columbus Museum is one that went away and was brought back. It's referred to as spirit. And it's something that I remember going as a kid and seeing and it kind of just blowing my mind, especially where it was before. They have moved it to a newer wing of the museum. Who's the artist? Spirit is by Mel Chin. It was uh, made in 1994. No. It is an installation. It is an art installation. Oh. It is a small, narrow room with a rope across the room, a rope with some slack to it, and a very large barrel balancing precariously on it, but perfectly in the center of the room and just kind of floating on this is this it rope. actually just balanced or is it tied down somehow? I don't think it's just balanced because no, no, it's it touching be. the ceiling. Is that how it is? You don't even notice the top because you're just looking at. Well, I've got a picture. That yeah. Has the whole yeah, thing. I know. Like, but I'm was, just yeah. it's like I didn't notice that when I was there. I, I think I just tried to get back into that childlike state of wonder. It was better before when they had it amid the other galleries where you're in that sort of grandiose, old-fashioned building, and between all of these galleries of more traditional art, you just walk into a room and there's a giant barrel. It seems, it's dreamlike. It's, it's like all of a sudden there's this thing that doesn't belong here suddenly being here. And when I read about the piece, that's not at all what they're going for, but I appreciated it for that. Like what they're actually discussing is like man versus nature and mm -hmm. like yeah. the rope is made of uh, tall grass prairie and it's a and it's a message of the relationship between old and new natural and artificial, which, OK, I, like that's cool. But I what I really appreciated is just the the absurdity of the whole thing. It's definitely unique. I'm not saying that in like a bad way. It yeah. is a unique piece. This is how I feel about a lot of like, if I'm watching a show, but I need to watch three other shows and read two books, listen to all the panels of um, Comic Con or interviews and read this back lore to understand what this one show's about, you're failing at doing your job of telling the audience what you need to know. Yeah, I don't think so I could have gotten what the artist was actually intending from thing. it. So you, if but I at the same time, 
I was struck by it. And that's, and yeah, that's what I'm saying is you can be struck by it. And it is, it's, it's really interesting, but if you're going to try, it's, it's a natural, it's like, it's about the uh, battle between man and nature with these long grass ropes and the wood and the steel being used. Yeah. I didn't get that. If at all. you have to, if you have to read a placard, it's essentially, it's a book. You're going to have to read, not a book, like, <laughs> but if you have to read like five placards worth of information to understand what an artist is trying to communicate with something that does not look at like that at all, you're failing your job as an artist to do the job. Like if, if, if I look at it, if it was, this is supposed to be an absurd, like it looks impossible. That it did. Cause it's like, how is this barrel balancing on this rope? And you're like, Oh, it touches the ceiling. I'm like, and like it the does. room is actually designed to be part of the installation as well. I didn't notice that when I first saw it and I actually had to walk back in cause the placards outside the room. Because mm-hmm. the room is part of the piece. Yeah, it's it's a room. all of the walls bend inward like they're being pulled in by this barrel, which yeah. I didn't know that. So the room itself is part of the piece. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But but um, see, that's the thing is, if it was like, look at how impossible this looks. Isn't this cool? I'd be like, yes, you are doing your job, fantastic. I honestly, looking at that, I would have figured that the artist's interpretation would be like, yeah, making the impossible possible. Yeah. Yeah. Not making the impossible. Not, not man versus nature, right? But although you could it, make it, it has a totally different meaning for me now that it's just moved. Man defying gravity, like um, a, def- a gravity defying feat of balancing this barrel on a on a rope. Mm-hmm. You could argue that is man versus nature, but seriously, it just looked making the impossible possible. Like that's a fantastic art exhibit. And it, I that think that is great. how the museum uses it when they use that piece in. Like their copy, they kind of use it as look at this amazing thing. They don't relate it as, and a lot of the other contemporary pieces, they don't show at all, which I think does say something. Um, but there was a popular love, I think, for that, that barrel, for spirit, because they brought it back. It was removed, installed mm-hmm. somewhere else, and brought back in its own special corner of the museum now. Which I don't like it as much there because when it was in with everything else, it seemed all the more absurd and like, how did this get here? Am I walking through a dream? But going to an art museum with both Dick and Kelsey would be with both you guys would be such a trip because you have one who's like, yes, look at let's look at the art. And you're like, five minutes in, I'm, I'm over this. Well, my overall impression of the Columbus Art Museum like there were things that that absolutely got me and okay now question with the columbus art museum is that just art like wall art like no, no there's there's there, installations and exhibits and like there's uh, a sculptures. barrel hanging on well no because ro- like the cleveland art museum that's got like stuff from like pottery from like mesopotamia there is, and it's got like ancient stuff. Like it goes back like six thousand years no, in history. The no. oldest things okay. are in the fifteen fourteen hundreds. I think there was one painting from the fourteen. Okay, so that's another plus for the Cleveland Museum. Yeah, it absolutely is. And actually, I hated the way the Columbus Museum described all of the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth century art. It was very judgmental. Like okay. every piece was had some sort of snide comment about it well i j- just based on nick's review of the columbus art museum i think i'll pass on it just because i don't i don't care for art yeah i mean honestly the the whole thing that i liked about cleveland art museum was like i said 
it's got a ton of history. It's not you're, you're just, more there for the history than the art. Yeah, it's yeah. not just the art. Like honestly, I could have spent all of my time in those rooms with you know ancient Chinese stuff, ancient like I said, ancient Egyptian, ancient African, like mm-hmm. all that is so much more interesting to me than someone painting. Something. Oh, agreed. There, I mean, older painters, yeah, absolutely, they look great, but. I mean, once I get into like the painting, isn't the, the only point, art. what is it? Pointism, mm-hmm. like with all the dots. Pointillism, yeah. Uh, I, I oh yeah, that. there was a very good point pointillist piece. I'm actually. not very. I don't really mm-hmm. like cubism. It yeah. just kind of all looks like a mental breakdown to I, me. <laughs> I think a lot. Yeah, and I think to myself, I could just go into my own head for that one. Well, I also really. You're not that's wrong. Sad. <laughs> You're not wrong. But yeah, so sorry, Cleveland. Or sorry, Cleveland. <laughs> I don't really want to go to your lucky one. Yeah, I don't really want to go to your art museum. And it's you don't have a natural history museum, so like, mm. it's not worth it. Oh, for two on Columbus museums, but Katie, we have a room. I'm might, gonna save it. Katie might be able to save us. I'm saving us. Go. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about a slightly hotly debated museum. Ooh. So do you guys know the difference? Do you guys you guys know what uh, what an acronym is? Obviously. Yes. Do you know what the acronym is for COSI? Center of Science and Industry. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Okay. I don't know. I thought maybe it wasn't as well known as it is. But yeah, it's the Center of Science and Industry. Um, so the idea was created. You made it sound like it was controversial. Like there's know, another right? name that. No, I was no, no, like, no. that's no, why I was like, no. is the it major controversy? Not? Okay, the major controversy. Is that just what we all call it? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay, let's, let's try this again. The major controversy in COSI is which is better, the old COSI or the new COSI? Uh, oh, I the have, old one, of course. Yes. I haven't been, I've only been to COSI once. I was there in sixth grade, so I truly have no memory of it. However, I'm going to be going to the King Tut exhibit because uh, at Trivia, two days ago, mm-hmm. we won, blasted the competition out of the water. Let me just tell you, we had almost a perfect game. Nice. I was in my element. She had so many science questions. I was like, Yes. Anyway, but in addition to what we what we usually win, we also got two tickets to the King Tut exhibit at Kosai. And That's I, awesome. I swear I almost started crying. I was so happy. I would have cried. Not going to lie. I probably would have cried. So I will be going sometime this summer, um, and I will report back to you guys about whether I think the old or the new Kosai is better. Okay. Awesome. All right. So that's kind of the major controversy, and I'm going to get into a little bit of history of that. So the the, the how COSI became about is the original person who essentially he wrote the grant and he kind of headed the headed what COSI was. His name's Sanford Halleck. Sorry, the second Sanford Halleck the second. He went on a business trip to Chicago in 1957, and with his wife toured the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. And essentially, it was like, Columbus needs one of these. That was 1957. 1958, he wrote the original proposal to create a museum of science and industry. At that time, the Franklin County Historical Society was in Memorial Hall downtown. Fell into disrepair. Like, Memorial Hall was just falling to pieces. They needed a new place. So Halleck wrote this proposal with the help of Someone I did not write down, the, the two of them said, look, Franklin County Historical Society is going to move anyway. 
What if we take Memorial Hall, it's a historic building, so we renovate it and put our Museum of Science and Industry in there. And they're like, brilliant. So it happens. And there's a bunch of people on the board, and there are a lot of different decisions, but that's what happened. And they get um, a, they get a final approval in 1962 to renovate Memorial Hall, get Franklin, Franklin, Historical, Franklin County Historical Society out, bring in this Museum of Science and Industry. Two years later, in 1964, COSI officially opens, and it opened on Easter Sunday. The ticket prices in 1964. Adults were 50 cents. <laughs> Kids were 25 cents. So you could have a blast for very cheap. I thought you were going to tell me it was a number that was like absurdly high even for the time. No. Like no, even not, not for the time. And actually today's prices aren't awful. So that was 64. It operated for about 30 years. And then in 1999, a little over 30 years, 1999, um, I'll get into the, I'm going to compare old Kosai and new Kosai in a minute. Um, but in 1999, the Memorial Hall COSI officially closed its doors in September. In November of 1999, two months later, the West Broad Street location opens. And it was the old cent uh, Central High School. They bought the Central High School, bought the land around it, so the facade of the entrance is still the high school building, the Central High School building. And today... An adult ticket is $25, and a child's ticket is $20. Not Expensive, bad. but, you know, not horrific. And you can get a family membership. So the, I, the basic family membership is two parents, two children. Nothing's transferable, no guests. Um, you, there's, like, an additional guest fee of, like, $5 per person. But that basic family membership is $51.25 per year. So that is a brief overview of the history of COSI. So what is in COSI? It is the Museum of Science and Industry. I Look, COSI is my jam. I absolutely love it. Old COSI, I will tell you, I am incredibly biased. Old COSI was the best. New COSI wishes it had the low points of old COSI. Now, when did new COSI show up? Uh, November 1999. Okay, so I will never know okay. what old Kosai then was. There's no, different levels of old Kosai. Same here. I would yes. certainly never have been there before. So it, obviously Kosai. between the sixty between sixty four and ninety nine, uh, September of ninety nine, they had different exhibits come through. So there were some exhibits I've never seen because it was in the seventies and then it went out. Which is fine. Now there are some that carried over and I, I'll mention those when I get to it. So they almost came up with entirely new exhibits and areas. For the well, new Kosai. what I thought was old Kosai, the Kosai I knew as a child, which would have been shortly after the new version. It was probably the new Kosai. It would have been so the new Kosai. Do you, yeah, so you sure. remember but, it being expansive. Yes. You remember it having a ton of room. No, the old Kosai, everything was on top of one another. When you walked in, the entryway, maybe from the back of the couch to the wall, mm -hmm. um, it was long, don't get me wrong, but that was the width of it, and there were already exhibits in you when you enter that already sounds better including the famous marble drop they did not mention on any of the websites the marble drop it was a so it, it would drop a marble and then the marble would pick random paths to go down and it'd go through like little so turners it's Plinko. and 
not Plinko. There weren't pegs. It was a. It was on a track. Yeah, but it could go wherever it wanted. It could go wherever it wanted. Like Plinko. Yeah, like Plinko, it could go wherever it wanted, depending on how it hits her. Yes. And then there was a collection of balls at the bottom, and it was just a continuous motor oh, going cool. up. So it would take, and it wasn't constant. I mean, it was maybe drop a ball every ten seconds, but it was always in motion. You always had a ball going on some path, and it I was. I remember seeing something like that somewhere. So anyway, it was fantastic, and that was how it started. And in the entryway, it had a replica. It was not the official Fenship 7 capsule, but NASA gave COSI a a replica of the Friendship 7 capsule, and it was up there, was up in the ceiling floating with a um, stuffed astronaut suit um, to mimic Glenn walking out of Friendship 7. Wow. Look. From the get-go, it's so much better. So, when COSI opened in 1964, it opened with eight main exhibits, and several of them are still thick. The idea is still there, but they've obviously changed it. So, like, they had the planetarium. They still have a planetarium at the new COSI. It's just changed a bit. They had the transparent talking woman, and I remember this. It was a marriage of robotics and electronics. You could go up, and it was a... It, Clear skin, like clear um, the, the vinyl, the clear vinyl skin. And you could like interact with this thing, like press a button and go pick up a cup of water. And all of the, the shoulder would move like a mechanical shoulder. They'd pick up a cup and then put it down. And okay. she could talk and tell you different things about her. Was she oh. in the new COSI? Because I kind of. She was in the new COSI for a little bit. She was taken out. I was going to say, because that sounds familiar. That was, I was going to say, yeah, that one was, that one was in there, but it was taken out. My favorite part of the new COSI, which was taken out, but I think brought, it was brought back. I don't know if it's still there, was the ocean room. No, but it's always been there. That, that was always part. Ocean has always been there and it was never in the old COSI, but uh, Oceans is a new exhibit and it has always been there. Now, certain things in Oceans have changed, but it's, no, no, it's, it's always been there. Oceans was always a thing. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. No, you're fine. So then there's a, an audit, there's an auditorium, which I don't really think of as an exhibit, but they would do all sorts of um, experiments with kids in this auditorium. Um, there was the Hall of History, which is not the street. Uh, uh, now it's called Progress. It's not that street. It was mm-hmm. just Hall of History. I don't remember that. Foucault's Pendulum. You know, the, the giant pendulum. They had it at the old COSI. It was brought over. It is one of the only things that still remain. Really? As originally shown. Yes. That pendulum has been there from the beginning. And if they, I think they know if they take it out, there would be mutiny. <laughs> yeah. There are strong opinions about that pendulum. Um, then there's a street of yesterday, uh, the street of yesteryear, which is that now called Progress. Yeah. So if you walk through Progress, it's the street of yesteryear, exact same thing. Which, okay. There's a few so, updates, but, um, yeah. Then there was, there were two different... The, just general that's kind of the history of technology. No, that's just the history of no, human history. It's just, it's just general, like, because I remember there's like, a, like a retro diner. I get what you're saying, yes. I get what you're saying, but um, it's more of a, you can walk, a, a, a walk through history. So then you have two just general areas that had all sorts of little experiments and little exhibits you could play with. There was the science and industry area, and then there was a health science area. And the health science, we kind of still have, but it is sponsored by OSU now because they do a lot of um, research there. You can, like, join clinical trials 
at COSI. And That's they can weird. Take, they can well, no, not clinical trials. They'll, they'll just do be doing experiments. So like they'll be grad med, medical students from OSU at COSI, and they just come up and like, hey, do you have a few minutes? And you're like, what's this about? Because uh, this has happened to me multiple times. So they say, well, we're doing we're with OSU, and they pull out their badges because you know you got to verify who you're talking to. And they say we're doing this exper- we're doing this survey or study of this. Could you give us 20 minutes of your time? So once it was about like brain waves or something. So you go to a room, you sit down, they put on a cap on your head and then they have to like do the medical glue. It was, I didn't realize how involved it was, (laughs) but they said, okay, we're going to flash different images across the screen. Don't just watch them. Don't form an opinion about it. Just intake it. And there were different colors and pictures and all that. Then they showed different things of like, okay, we're going to show you things and we want you to think happy thoughts about them. So, but they were like a funeral or like a car crash or like someone crying. So they're, I think what, I think what they were trying to do, I was like, I was 17 when this was a thing. I think what they're trying to do is does the visuals, can you override the visual stimuli your brain is receiving? I think that was the idea, but yeah, it took a lot more than 20 minutes. I have a dark sense of humor, so I think that would work for me. But then, but then they said, think sad thoughts, and they showed pictures of like flowers and puppies. and Oh, and I could do that too, because the puppy's not going to live forever. Yeah. Well, that's fine, but it wasn't like you didn't, you really weren't given time to think like, oh. this is sad because the flower's going to die or the puppy's going to die. It's we want you thinking sad thoughts. Like, oh, oh no, okay. I have a so, test so on. So it's doing too fast that you can't actually consider anything. Yeah, you're not really considering it. And by the time you're considering one thing, it's already three pictures yeah. in. So, yeah, there's there's all sorts of things. It was fantastic. So then they had Voltaire, the electric eel. I don't remember that one. They had. Well, was it a real, a I real eel? I don't know. Okay. I was, okay, so the website I found all this on was up, it's called oldcosi.com. They just went into the highlights of it, which is why I can only hit the highlights, not yeah. what I and I can kind of go into what I remember. And then the '60s, um, obviously, is when friendship, the Friendship Seven replica, was given because that was in '66, I believe. I feel right? like it's '65. 60, maybe '65. Okay, but anyway, so that's when they got. So they got um, friendship. So that was kind of the '60s. I'm looking it up. Then in now I want to know. Six, then from six, 1968 to 1970, there was a show. In COSI, from the president, CEO, Halleck, Halleck II, and one of the other mm-hmm. board members, and they created the man from COSI. They got all sorts of people from all different um, science and industry leading experts, and they would come on and do science experiments for kids that they could then do at home to say, this is what, like, baking soda and vinegar, like, like hey, this is how this works. These are other chemical reactions you can so safely Bill do. Bill Nye before Bill Nye, but it was also only for Columbus. Then in November 15th, this is kind of tangential, but the first Wendy's was installed across the street from COSI in November 15th, 1969. Friendship 7 was 62. 62. Oh, wow. We were really off. Then in, okay, so you have the Wendy's across the street and that just became like a staple. You would go to COSI, then you'd go to Wendy's. It's just like a match made in heaven. You got a burger and science all in the same day. In August of 1970, they had their millionth visitor. Kosai or? Kosai. Okay. Oh, Kosai. Sorry. Kosai had their millionth visitor. Um, now I'm just going to, I kind of speed through this because there's all, because the website was about all these different installations that came in and out. Mm-hmm. And rather than covering it, I just kind of hit the highlights of what 
I thought not was important, but what I liked. So now we hit November or September 1999. It closes its doors. Um, okay, so the new COSI. It was decided on that they needed a new location late 80s, early 90s. So then they broke ground in 97. So it really did take about two years to convert Centennial to COSI. The entrance is still the uh, high school, but they built a huge warehouse behind it. And they call and they called it a blimp shape. Which it I, much I was going to say at, it looks like a blimp. If dock. you look at if you look at it from above, it looks like a blimp. It is three hundred and twenty thousand square feet, and it cost over two hundred and ten million dollars. So they spent two hundred ten million dollars. Get everyone over there. Have so much more space, but they don't carry over the exhibits people love. So after opening. They're not getting the attractions. They, they're not getting the people coming that they thought. They weren't getting the visitors. So they now have an issue with funding. So who steps in but John Glenn, who becomes a very active volunteer and spokesperson for COSI to get people to come. So there's actually several astronauts who have joined in with, um, who have partnered with um with COSI, they lead in um science and research they lead in um, the ability to do different exhibits the problem is they don't have the money to do it so they have closed certain areas of the museums at different times to save money the whole museum what? is now to this day i was there probably a year ago there's still areas that are closed off not for renovation just because they cannot afford to keep the whole museum open. That is They're still suffering from funding issues. So, but one of the things that this new space allowed them to do was look, was have these different exhibits. So these are the ones that I have personally been to. There've been a lot more, but the ones I've personally been to in 2005, they had a Titanic exhibit and I loved every moment of that. In 2006, I went, I actually think I went for my birthday for almost all these. Um, in 2006, they had a Star Wars exhibit, and it was so much fun. In 2013, they had a Mythbusters exhibit, and this is the one I didn't, I just went with a friend. Um, in 2014, they had a Sherlock exhibit where you went around and tried to solve a murder. Oh, I remember that. I think it was a missing person and a murder. That's cool. That... It depended on which, like, you could you could pick one or the other. So they had, like, the same setup. And you could, like, go through and it's like, okay, observe, like, do this experiment. And you would literally, like, take a piece of paper, put it down, and put this thing on it. And it's like, okay, what color did the paper turn? Was it blue? This happened. Was it yellow? This ha- Or uh, uh, pink? This happened. So it's a litmus test. So old Kosai, um, in one year from 70, it's either 72 to 73, or 73 to 74. They had they reached their seventh million visitor in like 1972. And by the following year, they had eight million, their eighth millionth customer. So that's how popular the old COSI was. And now the new COSI is still suffering from some uh wow. funding issues. But I am gonna end COSI. I'm I am very, very much in the old COSI is the best COSI. New COSI is still fine. I literally got to spend a whole day I was there from open to close in the new COSI. Still had an absolute blast. 
but it didn't it doesn't have the charm and the wonder that old kosai had do you think that might just be because you're experiencing it as an adult versus as a child or i'm gonna say no because you can do the baking soda and volcano and, and vinegar volcano now and i still get a kick out of it like as a kid i got a kick out of it and i still get it so i think the idea of like the wonder of it I think it was also there were so many more hands-on exhibits at the old Kosai or the new Kosai. There's a lot of stuff behind glass. It's not glass, but it's yeah. There's a lot of stuff tucked away, and there's a lot of stuff to read. There's a, it's a lot, and that's that's kind of goes back to the art thing of if you have to read about it, it's not doing its job. Let me get in there and play with the thing. And there's a there's a um, gears area of Kosai where you get to build like a giant gear and you get to like manipulate uh, electricity to go through it. And it's like, it's fantastic. I love that. Well, that's why my favorite part's the ocean part where you can spray water at things. You can spray water at things. And the whole place smells like a swimming pool. It does. So (laughs) Kelsey, you're like, no, no, it should smell like salt water. Yeah. But you can't keep salt water clean. And if a kid accidentally drinks it, you don't want them to get, you know, like, Every bad disease known to man because it's public. It's like recycled water. Well, if they're going to drink the salt water, they're probably also going to drink the chlorinated water. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is you don't want, but with the chlorinated water, the chlorine kills the bacteria. Well, yeah, but. It takes more to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Also, oceans to, I've never been there when oceans is like fully operational. There's always something down in oceans. Yeah. That's kind of the. Yeah. So before you ask any questions, I'm going to read the vision and mission of COSI. To engage, inspire, and transform lives and communities by being the best partner in science, technology, and industry learning. I do think they accomplish their mission and their vision. I think the old way was better, but they still, at the new COSI, are, well, are, are very... From what you're describing... They engage, inspire, and transform. I would say most of what you would get from the old COSI, you just have to go up to Cleveland for because the Cleveland, I think it's like the Children's Science Museum or mm-hmm. something like that, has a lot more hands-on things. All right, well, if Kelsey, you're getting a headache and I need to get going. Yeah. I was going to say. We're, we're going to do wanna... the second half as the second half. Okay. Well, we've already gone two hours. Um, I was going to suggest that we just not do the smaller museums today and just do more small museums. Yeah, what if we do so, like... Yeah, this this took longer than we expected. So listen, we'll, I knew that I could talk for an hour about natural history museums. I loved it. I could have gone s- longer. Oh, so yeah. I th- yeah. think we've come to some conclusions. If you want good museums, go to Cleveland. Ah, okay. uh, uh, Kosai. Have, have I sold you on Kosai? You you've kind of sold sell. us on old Kosai. You As never I had, should have. You never had to sell me on Kosai. I'm sure. I've always been a Kosai fan. Yeah. Nick did not sell me on the Columbus. Museum of Art. Sorry, Nick. It's not your fault. No, no there's no. I, way I to wasn't sell trying it. to. I, no my to sell main it. reaction was general disappointment with some <laughs> moments of wonder in the middle of it. But I mean, I still stand by my original statement. I think that the Cleveland uh, Museum of Natural History is the best museum. So our, our original intention was to make this one episode with each of us taking on a bigger and smaller museum. We have taken up enough time talking about the big ones that our next episode will be about smaller museums. For now, thank you for listening. 
You can find us basically anywhere you can find podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review if possible. And if you want to further the discussion and tell us what museums you like in Ohio, or if you think we're completely wrong about something, head on over to our website, theohiobubblepodcast.podbean.com, and uh, start a discussion. Uh, Leave a review and rate and comment on us. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram. It's our only social media because I cannot be bothered to do more than that. And um, you can find us at just the Ohio Bubble Podcast. And yeah, we Without the word just. Yeah, no just. Uh, We post when we uh, drop a new episode. Look at that. It worked. Woohoo. It's almost as if we had a script. Take care, everyone. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Are you going to stop recording?